Mac Power Users, Episode 2, All About Email, Part 2. Welcome back to the Mac Power Users Podcast. We are continuing on our conversation from last week, talking all about email. But before we get too in-depth, I do want to take an opportunity to thank you all for your comments, for your suggestions, for your iTunes reviews. Overall, we've gotten a great reception to the first show and hope to continue that trend through future episodes. If you haven't had a chance to listen to show one yet, that begins our introduction of this email series. In part one, we talk about the differences between IMAP and POP and why David and I prefer IMAP. We also discuss storing messages, compare the MobileMe and Gmail services, figure out how to manage multiple email accounts, and discuss all of the features of Apple Mail, including smart folders, rules, spotlight, data detectors, stationary, thread organization, to-do management, and a variety of plugins that are available to help you manage your mail, archive your mail, and get rid of your spam. If you haven't had a chance to listen to the first episode yet, you can find it in iTunes, or you can also find all of the information on our website, MacPowerUsers.com. And it's probably recommended that you listen to episode one first for a little bit of history as to how we got where we are now. In part two, we're going to talk more about our various systems for managing email and how we developed those systems. David and I, and David in particular, are fanatical about email management. We'll talk about how to develop a good system, how we created our email workflow, and how David, at least, has learned not to become a slave to his inbox. Our hope is that by sharing our experiences and our workflows, it will enable you to better realize what works and what doesn't work with your own email system and make some modifications where necessary. So, David, why don't you start telling us about your wacky system? I should explain mine a little bit. I basically consolidate everything into MobileMe. I've got my MobileMe account, and I've got a MacSparky account, and I've got now an account for Mac Power users. Um, all of my old email accounts, I just burned those ships a long time ago. And, you know, I figure if somebody wants to find me, they can find me easy enough. So I don't have a bunch of legacy email coming into me. Uh, I have a Gmail account and I almost, I think I only use it really for corresponding with Google, uh, in terms of management of some of my Google assets. But, uh, so, but that forwards automatically into mobile me. So all this stuff is filtering into mobile me. I also have my work account and what I do with my work account, because I have a very specific system I use at work and, uh, the way my business works, I need to keep a copy of every email I receive and send uh, on my uh, office network. So uh, I played with the idea of maybe setting up an IMAP through work so I could manage work email from home and just deal with the important stuff from home. But ultimately, what I decided to do was just put a simple uh, copy forward in my email server at work. So any email that comes to me at, the, at work gets forwarded, a copy gets forwarded to my mobile me account, and that gets pushed to me. So, so in got- some respects, though, you have that same age-old pop problem with your work email. Yes, I do, and that's by design. Right, because especially with your work email, it sounds like you want that extra level of protection. Exactly, and uh, I, I could do it through IMAP and not have that, but in this case, it made sense more sense for me just to have a, an extra copy. And so the mail comes in, it all comes into one mobile me account, and that's nice on when you're on the iPhone, so you can check all your account under one tab. And uh, I don't want to get started on this, but I really wish they would have a consolidated inbox in the um, iPhone software. Oh, anyway. yes, please. Okay, so I've got all the, the mail coming in, and uh, and then I've got 
just three mailboxes. I've got an inbox, I've got an action box, and I've got filed. And that's it. You know, I don't have a bunch of nested folders. Uh, I do have smart folders, which I sometimes refer to. But if you look at my iPhone or my computers, there's really only three boxes. And the way I deal with it is uh, when mail comes in, I don't use my inbox to... Um, to manage tasks. I just, I use an inbox truly as an inbox. So when it comes in, I sort it. If it's from you and I can respond to it in two minutes, I'll, I'll stop and respond right there. If it's something that's a quick response, I'll just manage it right when I'm processing the inbox. If it's something that's from someone and I want to respond to it, and I know it's going to take more time. I, uh, I put it in action. So using mail act on, I hit control a, it pops it into action and I'm done with it. Um, if it's something that I don't need to respond to, um, but I want to keep, I, I file it and I have an, an email, an email box called filed, which you've been talking about as archive, but for me, it's the same thing. It's, it's filed. Right. And I have a trash can and if it's trash, I throw it away. So a lot of stuff I keep, you know, if I get a, a message from some service that I've got, just letting me know what's going on, I file it. Uh, but when I'm done going through the inbox, I've either filed or trashed all my email I've responded to the stuff I can quickly, and then my action box has started to fill up. And typically in the day, I'll have, you know, between 10 and 30 emails land in action. And then I have kind of time I've set aside in the day to go through the action box. And that's kind of the second layer. So I've got through inbox, and in fact, like the inbox sorting I can do on my iPhone just as easily as I can at a computer. It's kind of what I would call a triage, you know. It's very easy to move stuff around because I have IMAP. Uh, so when I sit down on my, and, and quite often I do that sort on my iPhone, but then when I sit on my Mac and I'm ready to deal with mail, I get into the action folder and I go through it and there's stuff in there that I can deal with immediately. Maybe it follows outside that two minute rule, but now I've, I've decided I'm going to sit down and respond to email. So maybe it takes longer and I'll, I'll respond to all that email. If it's something that I either don't have time for or want to give more time to, I create a task list item for it. And I use OmniFocus, but there's a lot of others. There's things and you remember the milk. There's a lot of good task programs, and I definitely want to do a show on that at some point. Right. But basically, if it's an email that I, I know I don't have time to deal with right then and there, I create a task to respond to it. And like quite often with clients, I do that. Because you know, clients, I need to sit down and, and give some thought to what I'm going to tell them, especially if they're asking for advice. So I'll create a task list item for the next morning. Uh, and uh, it'll be, it'll start and be due the next morning. So I wake up, I say, okay, I got those three emails from yesterday that I really want to deal with. And I try to take care of it first thing in the morning. But at the end of the day, I have either responded to all the email in the action folder or created new tasks for it. And either way, once I've done that, I put the original email that, that triggered all of this into the file. So uh, by the time my head hits the pillow, all the email for that day has either been responded to, trashed, filed, or a task has been created to deal with them in the future, and the inbox and the action folder are empty again. Right. So when you send your email, and I know we'll do a show on OmniFocus and getting things done and stuff like that in the future, but if you've got an email that requires more time and attention and you send it to OmniFocus, OmniFocus, well, first off, there's a little keyboard shortcut and a, a mail plug in, I guess, for lack of a, a better word, 
uh, although it's not a true plugin in the sense that you see it when you open preferences, that will take that email and actually move it to OmniFocus, correct? Not move it, but move the information into OmniFocus, correct? Yeah, I don't have it open right now. It's got a really funny name. I think it's like Clipatron 2000 or something. But basically, I have a shortcut key. If I hit, I think, sh- Command-Shift-C, uh, then it creates an OmniFocus task, and it literally copies the entire text of the email into the regarding section of the OmniFocus task. So I've got all of the email right there to work from. And then I can, the way I've got my OmniFocus input set up, I can quickly tap, assign it to a file, a person, an event, or whatever I've got, you know, that I need to put it in, give it due dates and start dates. I mean, I, I, I get emails sometimes from readers of Max Sparky, and it's something I want to respond to, but I know I'm not going to have time until the weekend, so I'll put the start date for that on Saturday. So they, I'll respond to the reader over the weekend. And, uh, but it's very easy, and then you file the email away. So you don't have this long list of emails in your inbox or your action folder. And the reason I do that is because when you leave them there, then you have to read them again and again and again because every time you go to that folder to find the one that you want to deal with, you've got to read all the others or at least sort through them. And the way my system works is I don't see what I don't need to work with. Now, part of the reason that your system works is because it sounds like both at work and at home – you live in OmniFocus. Yes. OmniFocus is my master. <laughs> and and I, if OmniFocus tells you to do something, you do it. I wake up in the morning and say, OmniFocus, what do I have to do today? Oh. And it tells me. you know. But, so you need to have so a good... So you're saying OmniFocus st- is like your mother. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, don't let my mother hear that. <laughs> but the, no, really, and that gets back to the point why I copy my work email to my mobile me account because now I've got fodder for OmniFocus. So it comes in, it's a work email, it's something I want to deal with, I create an OmniFocus task out of it. And, um, and then it's good. Even though the next time I log in at work, that email won't appear to be processed because I've really processed it on another operating system, it works out fine for me. All right. Now, other people, obviously, your method is very specific and works very well and if by specific you mean anal, you're right. Yes, anal and, and specific to you because it works yeah. very well with your workflow. I would love to live in OmniFocus because I kind of have that same, I want to have absolute control and I want to have this thing tell me what to do and I, I don't want to forget things. Uh, my problem is my work environment is a little different and uh, it, I, I would get some odd looks and probably some some comments if I brought my Mac in and sat it at the desk next to me and started putting my work information and creating OmniFocus tasks in there. And I, so I think that's, that's part of the flexibility difference between the types of work that we do. And a lot of people probably can't, although there is the OmniFocus client for the iPhone that I use quite a bit. Um, but I, I would love to use an OmniFocus type thing for work, unfortunately, that's not an option. So I, I tend to use it more with my personal life, and because I don't have much of a personal life, I don't tend to use it as much as I would like to. Um, one question I had, David, and this may go more towards our Getting Things Done show, but how long did it take you to get used to the system? Because I have found that when I add something new, I generally have to train myself to use it, and it's hard the first few weeks and gets easier, and then it becomes second nature. You know, I've always been pretty good about it. I, I originally got into kind of managing my tasks uh, with the Franklin system. You know, the Franklin planners. I don't know. Maybe Frank, you're too Franklin young. Covey. No, I, I have those. 
It was before Franklin Covey. It was actually just Franklin. And um, there was a guy, his name was Hiram was his first name. I forget his last name, but he did these really excellent tapes on how to kind of manage your projects. And he kind of introduced me to the idea of setting a time to deal with a specific task, even sometime in the future. And um, I used to use those books. I've got somewhere around here, I've got binders just full of years and years of that paper. And every day I'd get up and I'd draw little arrows and mark them and I had this very intricate system. And as, as email started to take off, I pretty much applied that. Um, uh, it has gotten more refined. At one point, I was using a lot of nested folders. And that, as I've explained already, stopped. Um, and uh, But I've never been one to use the inbox for tasks. I've always felt that that's a poor way to do it. And the reason I feel that way is just because it's you open an inbox and you see 100 messages there and you don't know which ones you need to deal with now. And I, my brain just isn't smart enough to remember which ones. I have to write it down or put it into a system or I will not figure it out. So then what happens is inevitably I'll feel compelled to read every 100 of those emails when I'm trying to get through them uh, to know what I need to do. And I'll do it multiple times. And I just don't have time for that. You know, I, I refuse to let email run me. And I think that's something I'm going to talk about in a little bit. But I just, you know, it's very easy to let this this influx of email i mean just come in and take over your life and uh that's that's my way of fighting back i mean i know people that think i'm crazy but some of them have other tweaks that work just as well for them i mean i know one guy who keeps everything in his inbox but he has some very nice smart folders he uses the flagging feature you can flag an email is important and he has a smart folder that says anything within the last three days that has a flag on it and that works for him and uh you know i think whatever works for you is what you should do Right. But for me, um, having that inbox clear, and then when I open it and I see there's three emails in there, then I know there are three emails that need to get managed. But I also refuse to to go through the inbox, you know, every 10 minutes. Um, I only check my email two or three times a day. Right. And one of the things that I'm glad we're doing this episode first is because I think email is something that we all can learn from no matter how long we've been doing it. And quite frankly, I will probably implement some of your strategies, though probably not all, um, into my email workflow over time. So I guess I should probably talk a little bit um, as to how I manage my email. Uh, one of the things that I thought was interesting is that you and I tend to have similar email philosophies in that I do not want to see an email inbox with 100 messages. Um, I don't want to deal with things multiple times. I want to touch it and get it out and you know deal with it once. Um, however, that being said, I do have a tendency to let things linger in my inbox, but on a very limited basis and never more than a couple of days. Uh, in fact, it is extremely rare if I go to bed at night and have email left in my inbox. Um, I also tend to deal with email very quickly or perhaps even worse, um, just delete it and not deal with it. You know, If I look at it and say, yeah, it would be nice if I responded to that, but I'm not going to, um, you know, it, it gets deleted, or in my case, when I say deleted, I also mean archived because nothing is ever truly gone based on my email system. Um, as we discussed, I have all my messages, with the exception of work, which is a completely separate system, uh, coming into my inbox. Um, and then I have a couple of folders. Um, I have an archive folder. I have a follow-up folder, which is something that I've tried to implement but didn't work so well that I'm, I'm working on um, that is, is kind of like your action folder. Um, I have a few folders for a few different email lists that I'm that have pretty high volume that I'll get a dozen or so messages a day from, but 
don't need to deal with and don't want in my inbox. So I'll put them in those folders and check them at the end of the day or when I have some free time. Uh, and then I also have a saved mail folder. But as I discussed, the things in that saved mail, which is a series of nested folders, are really more short-term saves. There are very few things in those saved mailboxes that are more than a month old. Um, and I only have a few. I have one for finance. I have one for Mac Power users. I have one for the Mac Core. I have one for a couple of organizations that I'm involved with and have leadership capacities in. I have one for personal. I have one for shopping. Um, and things that will go in there is, for example, if I uh, buy someone or something online and get a shipping confirmation, um, that information will go into my shopping folder until I receive the item, in which case it will be deleted, although, again, nothing is, is ever truly deleted. Um, if I transfer money from one account to another or if I pay a bill, those email confirmations will go into my finance folder until I get my actual statement to see that, yes, that has been confirmed and that did happen. Um, I have a Mac users group that meets once a month, and I plan the meetings, so I typically will have emails from various people discussing planning the meetings that will go into that specific folder. But once the meeting is over, those typically get deleted if it's not something that's going to be used for a future meeting. So I do use those folders very limitedly, but I there is nothing that I hate more than seeing an inbox with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of messages in it. And I do yeah, use I use flags to some degree. I know some people who keep a folder with like software licenses in them, but once again, I just I just don't want the trouble with it because I can get a software license out of an email just by typing typing the name in Spotlight, and I find it very quickly. Well, and I try to get as much stuff out of email as possible. For example, we'll talk about this in next shows, not the next show, but in future shows, my software licenses go into one password. My usernames and passwords go into one password. Um, you know, anything, some things go into Evernote, uh, some things go into uh, Neatwork, some things go into Receipt Wallet. So anything that I can possibly get out of my inbox and file elsewhere, that's where it goes. Yeah. And just because I have this system where I clear it out every day doesn't mean I respond to every email every day. I mean, to the outside world, sometimes I, they might not get a response to me for two or three weeks, but that's just, you know, in the ebb and flow of what I've got going on when it could get done. Right. And I don't live in Omni Outliner, or excuse me, in uh, Omni Focus. I wish I did, um, like you do. And quite frankly, if I did, I probably would be offloading more stuff into that. So. You know, there's really no right or wrong method. It's just what's right and what's wrong for the individual. Yeah. But I do feel strongly about this whole thing about email notifications. Ooh, okay, yeah, we know, we're going to talk about that. Yeah, I, you know, the the idea of my phone or my computer dinging at me every two or three or five minutes, it just makes my head hurt. And, you know, I, I, I have great respect for that because I am a total Pavlovian dog when it comes to the ding. I want to know when my email comes in, I want to be able to deal with it, and I want to know right that second. And I probably don't need to know, because very few messages I have have ever needed an urgent response. Um, well, if The if iPhone got, dings, and my hand reaches for it. Yeah, so you can turn that off, you know. I, I know. Okay, so let's just say you have a check for you every five minutes, and you get email every five minutes, whether it's something not that important or something very important. That means 12 times an hour, your computer and your phone are going to call for your attention. And 
that means, you well, know, Well, assuming you have messages there. I mean, yeah. I may go for a couple hours without getting a message, too. Okay. Well, just, you know, but at least there's an opportunity there 12 times an hour. And if you multiply that out over the day and over the week and over the month and over the year, that's all these potential interruptions. So the first thing I always do with a computer or a phone is I turn off that ding. Okay. So you're not um, a big fan of the expanded push notifications, I can see. You know, it's okay. I like that it's there. I actually use push. And the reason I do is when I do check the email, I don't want to sit and watch it load email. I want it to already be there. Right. So that's great. But um, I turn off the ding because I don't want it to tell me when something comes in because I'm like you in a certain way. I cannot avoid the attraction of that noise. Hey, I got a ding. Maybe somebody's writing to tell me how great I am. I have to go read that, you know. And as a result, I won't get any work done. And, you know, I'll go check the email. Oh, no, it's not. It's the flowers.com trying to get me to buy more flowers for mom. So then I go back to work and it takes me time to get back into whatever I was doing before I started. And then it dings again, you know. So I just can't. I I have no ability to resist that. So I turn it off. Uh, I also turn off the badge. Um, If I've got something important going on, I can turn the badge back on. So and the badge is a little little red button on your icon that tells you if there's email you have unread. Sure. But, you know, the idea that I have is I don't want, I don't want it dinging at me. You know, if you leave it on your phone, it will do it in the middle of the night. I mean, it doesn't know. And I'll, I'll tell you, I have noticed that since I have gotten my iPhone, I have not slept as well as I used to because I sleep with that iPhone, which they say you should not do, but it's my only phone. So I'm, of course, I'm terrified of getting that emergency phone call in the middle of the night and not having anybody be able to reach me. But I sleep with my iPhone on my nightstand and although half the time I don't hear it, I, I'm sure that that is pulling me out of the deeper sleep that I could have been and interrupting, or interrupting my sleep cycle somehow. Okay, so what I say is you turn off the ding, turn off the badge if you're really brave. Um, and then the other thing is think about how often you really need to check your email. Well, and part of that also depends on your your workflow because you're right. Very seldom do I have personal emails that require even attention within the hour. Uh, I mean, my I enjoy email because a lot of times you can get an instant response from somebody. Sometimes you don't get it for a while, and David, I've learned that I don't always get an instant response from you. Um, so good for you. You've trained me in that respect. That If it's important enough that I need to talk to you, I need to pick up the phone and call you. Um, but particularly at work, man, these people use email like it's instant messaging, back and forth and back and forth. And it's just like, and maybe I should, although I guess being one of the lower people on the totem pole, I'm a little hesitant to be the one to try to set the tone. But, you know, it's it's just if, if you don't respond to an email within five minutes, someone's, you know, upset because they've been expecting it. Which is just really asinine. That's true. You know? Yeah, you're I right. Mean, I, I just refuse. I mean, I but I've always been this way. And so I deal with a lot of other people. You know, I'm an attorney, so I have litigation and transactional matters. I have clients calling and opposing lawyers, and they're sending me emails. And sometimes they'll call me and say, hey, I sent you an email two hours ago. How come you haven't responded? And I'll say, because I haven't checked email yet. And you do know, they say, it. how can you not do that? Uh, it, because I'm too busy working for you. Oh, okay, well. You know? <laughs> or, you know, the, uh, you know, we have a thing. It's called the telephone. And if you need immediate response... There's a phone number you can call, and you'll actually get my live happy voice on the other end. Um, email to me is not a substitute for the telephone or an instant message. Um, I think it's great, but it's not that. And if I spent all my time checking and responding to emails, I wouldn't be getting the things I really need to be getting done. 
So uh, what I do is I check it in the morning. I usually check it after lunch. I usually try to clear out my whole system in the evening. And that's about as much email as I do. And, you know, there are exceptions. Sometimes I'll be sitting there somewhere and I'll see an email on my iPhone and I'll respond to it. But generally, I don't, you know, deal with it. And I, I have a process I go through. I've already explained it. So I go through, I sort it. I respond to the stuff I can right away. The other stuff I do later. And I have a set time to sit down and do that. But I think sitting here and letting your email you know, govern your life is, is madness. And I've dealt with people in my professional life who, who go down this crazy road. I mean, I was talking to a friend who had a case where him and the other lawyer exchanged 31 emails in like a half day. And neither one of them ever thought to pick up the telephone. And I said, that's, that's just madness. You know, I mean, if you need instant response, if you need a give and take, pick up the phone. It's not that hard. I don't know. I just, and I understand that people have jobs where everyone at work expects them to answer email immediately, but I would talk to my supervisors and say, you know, this isn't a good way to do business because if all the employees are afraid that if they're not watching their email, you know, every two minutes, uh, then they're not going to be working effectively for you. That's true. Yeah. And part of it is to the extent that you're comfortable, you, you do have to retrain people, um, I know my dad will occasionally send me an email and I'll get a follow-up call five minutes later. Did you see my email? Um, so that's true. And, and, just, and there are some people that you can train. Um, so I guess do that where you can. And, and uh, David, I, I, I wish I was not uh, as responsive to email as I was, but we'll see. I'll, I'll work on it. Well, just start ignoring mine and then, then, then you'll feel good. That's true. That's, that's a good place to start. I will not... Read your emails anymore. I've, I've even trained judges. I've had judges oh call me and say, how come you didn't respond to my email? And I explain to them how I do it. And they say, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. So don't respond to email. There you go. Well, you respond to it, but don't make it the right. only don't thing. Don't make you, it a, the, the top priority. Yeah. So there are also some other, speaking of, of training people, um, some what I guess you would call email etiquette out there. And... Um, one of the things, two things that I cannot stand are when people use the reply all button and those idiot email forwards. And, and we all get them. And there are certain people who offend more than others. I think some of those email forwards, they have hearts in good places. They do. A lot of times yes. friends. But you really have to just call them and tell them, please, I just don't have time. And I, I admit I have sent an email forward or two, but I send it very selectively to specific people. And usually I add a little note at the top saying, I thought this was particularly applicable to you or this reminded me of X, Y, Z. You know, if I'm going to send an email forward to someone, I'm at least going to add a little note to say, hey, I didn't blind forward this to you. You know, I have never forwarded one of those emails. Well, I've never forwarded one of those chain emails, but, and then I've actually, I've picked up, you know, especially my grandparents with this who have gotten into the world of email, how many of them are just wrong? And I call them, I was like, you know, this is not true. Bill Gates is not going to send you money for forwarding this email. Um, you cannot unlock your car door by putting your clicker to your phone and putting your phone next to your car. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I you could, but you can't. What is that? Snopes.com that, that searches those out for you? Right. Snopes.com. Yeah. So, and not everything is up there, but and, and anything that says forward this to so many people within so many minutes is an immediate delete. I'm still working on setting up a rule for that. 
Yeah, that would be a good rule. If you get it, let me know. I want that. <laughs> okay. You know, another thought about email is is I write email backwards. You know, usually if you open a new email in Apple Mail or pretty much any any mail client, it puts you. The first thing it is it puts you in the sender box where you're sending it to. Then you hit tab and it goes to the um to the subject line, and then you hit tab and it goes to the body. I go in the opposite direction. I first write the body. Then I write the subject, and then I put the recipient in. And the reason I do that is I actually like to use the subject line. I don't. I, I just I hate these subjects that just say re colon re colon re colon, and then something that has nothing to do with the body of this email. You know, I've I've noticed that in emails that I got from you, and instead of sending an email that said re-recording time, the last email you sent me said. 5 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, I'd like to give the message in the subject matter if I can. And I don't always do that. Sometimes I forget or I get busy. But generally when I send an email to someone, I like to use the subject line to uh, to communicate the purpose of the email because we've learned to ignore the subject lines because nobody uses them. Right. And one of the reasons is because you're not really sure what you wanted to say until really after you've written the body of your text. Uh, and it also makes sure that you don't forget anything and you actually don't get an email back saying, where's the attachment? Yeah, actually, to, to my, my system is, I didn't put that in there, but I actually, I actually put attachments on before I start writing the body text. And that's just because so often I've caught myself sending emails without the attachment, and it's very embarrassing. So now I try to do that first. Right. It's kind of crazy. I wish, I wish there was a way to set the order of the uh, tab progression in a new email, but all of the email accounts have used this other system, which is fine. You know, another trap you get caught in is sending an email to the wrong person or including, you know, the reply all or additional copies. I think that's frankly because you hit the tab key to get to, to your body text because you're thinking about that and you never go back to fix that. And that, that could get people fired. Yes, it can. It can. Uh, one other thing that we can talk about is sending email from multiple accounts. Um, because that is another part of, of organizing this, this email system. I know we all have multiple email accounts, and we both have kind of identities on the web that we may not necessarily want to commingle with our personal email. Um, so there are some neat ways that you can still have all of your email filtered appropriately, but have it reply from a specific account rather than reply from your primary account that you may or may not want to share with somebody. Yeah, this is an issue for me because, as I explained earlier, I I glump everything into my MobileMe account. Right, as do I. So Mac Sparky email comes into MobileMe and, and legal stuff and Mac Power user and my personal stuff. So when I respond to it, it's important that it come from the right person. And fortunately, Apple Mail makes it really easy to do this. Uh, there's a couple steps, and I'll go through them right now. Is uh, Under your mail account, uh, you have an accounts tab under the preferences I'm going to switch over to it right now. So under the preferences, under the mail tab, there's an account button. And if you click on that, it's got a section there that says email address. It's under the account information tab. And usually it'll just say your mobile me email address. Well, and actually to take it one step back, you can yeah. have, and that is the beauty of having a mail client, is you can have multiple accounts. So for example, you may have a mobile me, you may have a work, you may have a Gmail, you may have multiple accounts coming into mobile me to begin with. And I do, I've just got everything inactive now except mobile me, but go ahead up. So you, you click the account that is pertinent to how you want to run this. 
Yeah, exactly. If I had separated these accounts and had the separate Gmail and the separate Max Sparky each as its own account, uh, then it would be easy to reply to them because it would automatically know which account I'm working from. But because I'm I'm consolidating everything into Mobile Me, when I hit reply, it's initial. The Apple Mail is initially going to think, okay, he's writing from his Mobile Me account, so he wants his Mobile Me email address on the reply. But you can actually tell it, no, that's not what I want. And if you go under the account setting tab, you can under the the email addresses simply by adding a comma you can add additional email addresses so i have my personal account then comma the max sparky account comma the power users comma and so i've got the various email accounts that i work from listed in there so then when i click reply or a new email from my mobile me account it actually has a little drop down that asks me what account i want to send it from now, I can also set up all my outgoing servers that way, and I can have a little drop-down box that says, okay, so what server do you want to use? So when I send an email, even though it's in my mobile me inbox to a Max Sparky reader, uh, I can have it go from the Max Sparky account using the Max Sparky server. Right. And the person receiving that email will think, I sent it from the Max Sparky account. And um, this was a really great system. The only complaint I always had with it was, uh, I love to keep my hands on the keyboard, and I would have to go to the mouse and go up to the drop down and pick the you know outgoing service and the outgoing email. About a year ago, I was playing with the keyboard shortcuts and figured out that you can create a keyboard shortcut uh, under OS 10 that actually selects those accounts for you. So when I'm in Apple Mail, if I hit Control and two letters, it automatically selects Max Sparky in the Max Sparky server. It takes a half a second, and off it goes. Right, and there's actually another tip that you you can create the keyboard shortcuts, and and those are great. Um, but if you also, if you, um, I believe it is in your system preferences inside your uh, keyboard settings, and at the very uh, bottom, or on, there's a there's a tab called keyboard shortcuts where you can assign your own that same tab that you were talking about. Below that, it says full keyboard access. And it says, in Windows dialog boxes, press tab key to move the keyboard between, colon, and then by default, text boxes and lists only is selected. But if you click all controls, you can also tab over and it will get, uh, it will give you more options. And one of them is those drop down boxes to change your accounts and your SMTP settings. And one thing I've, I've caught since I have turned this on is, you know, usually I put in the two, I tab tab down to the, uh, uh, you know, subject line, I tab down into the field, and I actually have to tab a few more times because between the subject and the actual message body are these drop-down menus that you're talking about. Yeah, and a tip if you're setting up these keyboard shortcuts is you have to use the exact text that is in the drop-down dialog. For instance, for Max Sparky, I'd have to write David space sparks open caret David at MaxSparky.com close caret. You have to do it exactly like it is in the box with the spaces and the character keys and all that. But once you do that, it's really simple to hit the control keys. I think that's faster than tabbing or playing with the mouse. Right. And then to kind of add an, an additional layer of, of checks and balances, you can also set to, and typically, you know, mobile me will not, or Gmail will not want to send messages coming from the mobile me SMTP server and back and forth. Um, so there's a box you can say to only send messages from this sh- server. So if you've accidentally selected, um, for example, the Mac Power user's email account, but you've still got it coming from your SMTP server on, on mobile me. You know, technically, if somebody wanted to, they could go in and look at the headers and see the, the, the paper trail, or so to speak, that it left and, you know, reverse engineer your email address from that. But 
uh, it will also pop up and say, uh, can't send it through this server, which one do you want to use? And I'll say, oh, I you know hit the wrong server, and I'll click the correct one and, and move it forward. Yeah. Now, the, the thing that I, I wish, I, and I love the way using multiple accounts in Mail is not bad because Mail has the consolidated inbox, but as you pointed out, the iPhone does not. And I, I pray that that will change in a future software update. But right now, because I only have one inbox on my iPhone, I'm getting email from all over the place. And I currently, because I only have the one inbox, can only reply from my mobile me account on my iPhone, which if I get an urgent message in from one of those other accounts, I just have to reply from the mobile me account on my iPhone. I can't select that I want it to come from Mac Power users or the Mac Core account or anything like that. Um, there used to be a way, and if anybody knows how to do this, please, please, please email or uh, something, comment. Anyway, get a hold of me. Uh, you used to be able, if you went through iTunes, synced up your mail accounts so that there would be this drop-down menu so that you could select, no, I want to send this from the other account. Um, but ever since I've recently consolidated everything instead of using multiple accounts on the iPhone to just using the one account, I cannot figure out how to send or how to reply to a message using an alternate account. That whole drop-down is just gone. Um, yeah, I have the same problem. Although I don't really use my uh, my mobile device to write much email anyway. But uh, if I, I ever get that magic Bluetooth keyboard, then I'll really be wishing I had that ability. Right, right. Well, we have gone on and on and on, so I think we probably better wrap this up pretty quickly uh, if people are still listening uh, and just talk about a few of the other useful tools that we use in conjunction with our email. Yeah, the first one would be Text Expander. Yes, Smile on My Mac. Love Text Expander. Yeah. So what it does is you can type in a predefined key combination, and it'll just fill in any predefined text. I use it, for instance, my signature. I don't use this built-in signature features in Apple Mail. I've got a different one, and uh, it's really nice because it drops in graphics and links and whatever I want it to do. But you can also use it if you have standard replies that you make. If you're running a business, for instance, um, you can send standard predefined replies with just a couple keystrokes. I mean, Text Expander is useful throughout OS X and all your word processing as well. But I think for mail, it's particularly useful. Right. I also use, and I know you've got this on our list, Mac Speech Dictate, although I don't use it as much as I would like. I need to. I, I had some issues getting it to hook uh, work with my podcasting gear, and it, it works real well with the little built-in microphone that they give you, but I don't have that set up all the time. Um, I have found Mac Speech Dictate to be just an amazing application in terms of accuracy. It's probably still not quite as fast as I can type, but I have just been overwhelmed by how good Mac Speech Dictate is in doing text to, or rather speech to text translation. So literally you speak it and uh, it types it. And I've, I've used these programs in the past and they've all failed miserably. Uh, but Mac Speech uh, really seems to have figured something out here. Well, I also use Dragon or the, uh, the the current version of Dragon on the PC as well. And as soon as I heard that Mac Speech had licensed the Dragon engine, I knew we were in for good times right. in speech recognition. And the way I use it is, frankly, I keep a Write Room file open, you know, which is a really simple distraction-free word processor. And I will dictate a bunch of email out into one file. 
and just like rip it out, you know, using, and I just say dash dash between each one. Max speech dictate will write my text and it'll put a little noticeable dash and then I'll start the next one, hit new paragraph and, uh, typing a lot. My fingers start to get sore. Maybe I'm getting old or something, but so I'm trying not to spend long sessions writing. I'm trying to use the speech recognition more and more often. And email is a uh, one thing where it's very useful. So I'll just keep a running list of a bunch of replies and then a couple block and copies and send them off. Right. All right. Well, I think we have covered email to death, but I'm sure if we didn't, I hope we will hear otherwise. You know, something I, I went nuts. I did a screencast on email as well once. I watched that. Yes, I was quite impressed. It was like 30 minutes long. It's like, you know, my manifesto or something. But uh, and my I, I system think we've fact, topped it here. Yeah, well, maybe. <laughs> maybe we have. But uh, I um, I definitely uh, would recommend reading that, especially if you don't understand IMAP versus POP. I did some really neat slides with animations and keynotes and uh, kind of dis- describe that. So go over to the Max Sparky screencast feed and you can catch that. Right. Um, there was also other res- a, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, the, uh, I guess you were going to, the Tidbits article, did you read that? Right, I did. Is that the one I sent to you? Yeah, it's excellent. Uh, they just recently did it. I think everything right over there is really good, but they went in great detail on POP versus IMAP, and that just came out in the last week. Right. Um, there's also a great, I'm a big fan of the Take Control eBooks, and they have several that, that deal with email, and these are just little PDF books that you can download. They're very cheap. Usually they're less than 10 bucks a pop, uh, and they're very well written also by the same people who do tidbits, and it's kind of like a, a little user manual, and they have several email-related topics. Merlin Mann did Inbox Zero, which was very similar to the system I use. He's really funny and uh, and great stuff. If you Google Inbox Zero, you'll find that Google video that he did that was, I think, very good. Right. Uh, what other resources are there? I think the um, I, I like the getting things done mentality. Some of the David Allen stuff is out there. It's real good. The books. Um, you know, there's no shortage of advice on how to do your email, and frankly. As opinionated as I am about mine, I'm sure some people like to leave their inbox just chock full of stuff and get things done anyway. Um, but, you know, that's why uh, we got all these different tools. Right. Um, and we should probably talk about if, if ways to contact us if people have other tools because a big part of the show is going to be feedback. So we are going to have another show uh, in a couple of weeks, and we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. But at the end of this regular session of the show, we're also going to have a whole feedback section where – we talk about maybe something that we missed, maybe something we got wrong, maybe something that you uh, have a better way to deal with. Uh, so we should probably give out some contact information so people can actually reach us. Yeah. Um, well, feedback at MacPowerUsers.com is the best way. Right. Both that can, will yeah. go to both of us, and, and we'll both see it. Send uh, us a message in, uh, in Twitter at MacPowerUsers. You can also check out our website. That's MacPowerUsers.com. Comments are turned on there, so if you have comments on an episode, um, I think, uh, is this where we make the shameless plea for uh, iTunes reviews? We can make the shameless plea for iTunes reviews, and I, I know everybody asks you to review their podcast in iTunes, and uh, if you liked this, if you think it has potential, uh, we would certainly appreciate that, because being a new podcast, early iTunes reviews are really key in helping us getting featured, uh, especially in iTunes' What's New section. Um, so uh, if you could take a few minutes, leave a comment for us on iTunes. Those, those early iTunes comments really help. 
Yeah, and if you really liked the show, one way that you can help support us is we do have a PayPal link up on the website. Um, whatever you feel comfortable with, um, certainly we appreciate your emails and your comments just as much as we do that, but it does help uh, keep us in bandwidth. And what are we going to do next, Katie? Uh, next show, we are going to shred some paper. Excellent. I love shredding things. Uh, Our next show is going to be all about managing all of this paper and stuff that comes into our lives that we don't want. So whether it be scanning and receipts and email, how do we get all of this information into our computer? How do we get it organized? How do we get rid of it safely? How do we get rid of the old data? Uh, we're going to be talking about different ways, and I, I um, this is one of my favorite topics, so I'll, I'm excited to talk about this. And yes. in terms of when our next show is going to be, I think we're tentatively on a – we're going to publish twice a month because these, these shows, as you can tell, are pretty involved. They take a long time to listen to. They take an even longer time to prep. So we're going to start out with once a month – I'm sorry, twice a month for now uh, and then kind of see how things go from there. Okay, and I want to thank everyone. If you've listened this long, you truly are awesome. And you truly are a Mac Power user. And um, just want to thank everybody out there in the Mac community. We've we've had overwhelming support for this podcast. We kind of pre-announced it about a week ago. There's been a lot of good vibes and a lot of people who have subscribed to the show uh, even before we produced our first real show. So just want to say thank you to all of those people. And uh, if you think this is helpful, let a friend know. This is where we are. I've got some great emails from people excited about this, and I just want to say it's just humbling how, how warm and excited people have been. All right. Well, I guess we better leave it there. I look forward to speaking to you all again next time. 